Welcome to Necessary Rebels. I'm Sandra. And I'm Kanna. We're two professional women who are passionate about tackling racism and inequalities in life and work. Whether you're in the USA or the UK, change is happening. Do you want to know how to be actively anti-racist? Do you want advice on challenging racism? Do you know how to have those uncomfortable conversations? Then lean in and join us with great tips from professionals on how to be a necessary rebel. Welcome to Necessary Rebels. We wanted to discuss the UK government report by the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities, and there's been a lot of controversy. So we asked our former guests on this show and lots of our friends and associates to tell us what they thought about the report in their words, and this is their feedback. The government has concluded that there is no such thing as institutional or systemic racism. I'm relieved. This report was a foregone conclusion. Just consider the people chosen to head up the investigation. People were handpicked by Munira Mirza, who is Number 10's Director of Policy and has previously said things like issues of racism are deliberately exaggerated. The author, Tony Sewell, has said many questionable things in the past. He's also defended an openly racist friend of his. That's the Sun journalist, Rod Little, for good measure. This was an opportunity for Tony Sill, who does not have a positive reputation within the black community, to make amends from previous negative articles he has written that have not been well received. The headline of the report's findings doing the rounds in the news was that the UK does not suffer from institutional racism and that, far from it, the UK provides a model of multiculturalism. How on earth can they have reached that conclusion? It is absolutely shocking. As a white woman, I was very upset and disheartened by this, so I can't imagine how hard it must be as a non-white person to read something like this that denies your lived experiences and dismisses your suffering that's happened for so many years. I am deeply, deeply disgusted and saddened by the Sewell report. The report by the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities starts off harmless enough. The fact that we're not a post-racial society, that the snowy white peaks still exist in many professions and that outright racism still exists in the UK, that makes sense. To talk even of the UK's progress in the last 15 years as being a model for other white majority European countries, that doesn't even particularly anger me. But then it gets confusing. It moves away from race and starts to go into intersectionality, which, okay, I'm still somewhat following. But then it starts to totally discredit racism's key role and almost seems to start to blame ethnic minorities for problems faced. It insinuates that, you know, it's the black people who are mistrusting of the system and actually the work that needs to be done is one that has to do with helping them to trust the system more. So overall, this report should really not have been written. And now that it's out there, it should have a trigger warning. When I as a mother, sister and aunt live with the constant fear and anxiety of my male relations being stopped and harassed by the police for just being who they are, am I wallowing in a state of victimhood? Or should I instead believe that the black and Asian candidate who has attended their fifth interview 
and has followed the educational path needed for the role, just didn't try hard enough. And for me, as a, as a doctor and so and one who has seen the difference in health outcomes between black people and, and white people, this report shows the evidence, even with things like mental health. However, it, it really doesn't blame racism, despite professionals saying racism was a cause, for instance, for mental health issues. You want to tell me that this school in South London, where I was governor, that had existed for over 100 years and never had a black teacher, is not institutionally racist? It insinuates that, you know, it's the black people who are mistrusting of the system and actually the work that needs to be done is one that has to do with helping them to trust the system more. You know, so overall, this report should really not have been written. And now that it's out there, it should have a trigger warning. The authors claim that part of the motivation to move away from the idea that individuals' lives are inevitable constraint by racism is that they want to encourage agency in individuals. That's noble. But don't they know that what racism masterfully targets is precisely the agency of its victims? It basically implies that racism is not the cause of significant impact on life chances and sort of blames other factors which I believe contribute to it, things like geography, socioeconomic background, and culture, religion. But we do know that racism has a significant impact on all of these other issues. Where do we even start to unpick this from? They have basically trivialized our experiences. And once again, it is like being dehumanized, a whole people being told we are imagining these things that are happening to us. This has no bearing, absolute no bearing, on the lived experiences of people who are black or brown. You can't tell millions of people that their collective experiences do not amount to institutional racism. The evidence of institutional and structural racism is well established, so this report is dishonest, unethical and palatable, really that black women being five times more likely than white women to die around childbirth is not institutional racism. In the past 12 months, unemployment for those from ethnic backgrounds has nearly doubled, whilst for white British it's increased by just above 1%. No mention of this in the report. There wasn't a mention of underemployment in any of the recommendations either, yet people from different ethnic backgrounds are about a third more likely to be underemployed for whatever reason, so less likely to be using their skills or qualifications for their work than white people. It is not different than the argument that George Floyd died because he was intoxicated and not because the police officer knelt on his neck for over eight minutes. The report's denial of the existence of structural and institutional racism in the UK is not only dangerous and divisive, but it also goes against a huge body of evidence and academic research that has been done for so many years on the existence of this. This report is a distraction. It is to let the system, the government and all other racist institutions off the hook because they do not want to do anything. It is to feed this lie to people who are already in denial and will do anything not to acknowledge our individual and collective experiences. 
But of course, that that system has to change in order to tackle systemic racism and the interrelated systemic inequalities that are a product of that system. The systems of the state were designed to keep people in their place. And in the case of black and brown people, that has added a burden. That has the added burden imposed by racist practices, attitudes and beliefs. Institutional racism is so ingrained within the structures and systems within our society. Because the system doesn't work by itself. It doesn't uphold itself. It needs us in places for them to do exactly what they did with this report, which is to say, but look, there's some of you over there. Look, there's a director here. Look, there's somebody who's a successful footballer. Look, we have people in the medical profession who are getting through. But yet you're not looking at the system that holds us back. It is there simply to legitimise a racist agenda. It is dangerous. It will be very disheartening for many equality, diversity and inclusion leads working in organisations where inherent discrimination occurs, as this document will be used as a guide on why things don't need to be challenged. They're going to say... But look at the report. The report said we shouldn't pay attention to these things. The report said there's no validity in these things. Let's look at everybody's disadvantage, not just yours. You just watch those who will jump on the bandwagon and quote this report to keep supremacy, white privilege and racism firmly in place. It's a case of where this has become an all-lives-matter situation where the issue at hand has not really been acknowledged despite uh, evidence to, to support that there are issues. In 2018, Savid Javid asked Wendy Williams, solicitor with over 20 years' experience as a CPS lawyer, to carry out a review and provide lessons from the events surrounding the Windrush scandal. In her report published by the government in March 2020, Williams notes in the exec summary that despite the scandal taking the Home Office by surprise, my report sets out what happened to those affected by the Windrush scandal was foreseeable and avoidable. Miss Williams also notes that I have serious concerns that these failings demonstrate and institutional ignorance and thoughtlessness towards the issue of race and the history of the Windrush generation within the department, which are consistent with some elements of the definition of institutional racism. That was said almost a year before the CRED report was issued last Wednesday. I think what's important to note as well is that this report is so politically charged. And I read a quote about it which said, they use racism and poverty to divide and rule, pitting oppressed groups against each other. And I think this really taps into the running theme throughout the report, which is the claim that unequal outcomes are caused by other economic and social factors, not by racism. And I think this very deliberately separates the struggles of people in poverty from the struggles of people who suffer from racism, which completely misses the fact or deliberately misses the fact that racism and all other inequalities are caused by the same unequal and unjust system. We have the figures saying that black and ethnic minority children make up a third, only a third of school-age pupils, but yet they're most likely to be excluded. And no matter how many times they talk about the white boys from poor backgrounds and how badly they do in school, 
what they're missing is the fact that if those were black boys, whether they were poor or not, the odds are stacked both unconsciously and consciously against them. I think it was just quite disappointing that, you know, they've put some facts and figures in there because they cannot ignore it, but in one sense just completely downplaying it and saying that, you know, racism was not the cause of that. There is no systemic racism, there is no institutional racism, and it's somewhat of a slap in the face to people who are experiencing this and trying to combat it in the best way that they can. Children, also students, black, black kids, face face racism in school um, and to then blame them for the, what the report says in a part, the spirit of rebellion, it says, um, where they're associating that with the Black Lives Matter issue and that being staring up this race problems is very unfortunate. This government has just proved beyond all reasonable doubt that there is institutional racism in the UK that the government itself is actually institutionally racist. But on the whole, I think the report was really telling the government what it wanted to hear. If you write the conclusion of your story before you write the beginning, then you simply have to create your story to satisfy your conclusion. The worry, of course, is that when privilege and power is exercised in this way, then it attempts to break people, to divide people. We knew what the answer was going to be before they started. And this report was an opportunity for the government to say, look, we acknowledge that these problems exist, that institutional racism, structural racism, other structural inequalities exist, and, and we are going to do this to tackle them. This is our plan to tackle them. But instead of doing that, they've like, ignited this divisive debate between people who think that it exists and people who think it doesn't which isn't helping anyone. It's not, it's not helping anyone's problems. I hope and believe that this doesn't damage and won't damage the allyship and sense of solidarity that has grown for a lot of people since the Black Lives Matter protests last summer. Because I think those protests, or I thought at the time as well, that those protests really changed the conversation and a lot of white people became less passive and realised that fighting systemic racism was their fight as well. This is not acceptable and I, for one, will be fighting to make the changes that need to be made to reduce the disparities that we are facing on a day-to-day -day basis. And I hope people join me. Any anger they feel about this report, that they put it aside and turn all that energy into action and activity. We can start by challenging each other to be more caring. If anything, this report reactivates my personal commitment to do more and do better to keep examining my own heart and mind, to take action, uh, to progress, you know, these vitally important causes of racial and social equity and justice. And I often think of the line in the trailer of this podcast, change is happening. First, I won't let the report dishearten me too much and I'll continue to call out and oppose and discredit it. But we must protest, we must reject it, and we must stay loud. You can find Necessary Rebels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on Instagram at Necessary underscore Rebels underscore pod. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Necessary Rebels. This was an II Studios production. We'll see you for the next episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs>